This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. It's uh, great to see everybody this morning. This is uh, Fave Five Sunday, and that means that if you're here for the first time, somebody probably invited you, and there's good news in that. It means that you are one of their Fave Five people. That's pretty good stuff, don't you think? Oh, you don't sound all that thrilled with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, that's, that's a great thing. There's more good news. And that is, uh, I know that some of us, especially if we're not used to coming to church, we kind of came and expected it to be a white-knuckle experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, okay. My friend invited me. I can come and endure anything for an hour. Um, I have some good news. This won't be a white-knuckle experience for anybody. I have been to churches that were a white-knuckle experience for me, okay? And I'm a pastor, okay? So I know what that feels like. And, and I want to tell you this morning, if you, if you came and you expected me to come out here and uh, to just sort of mutter through something that I've said 150,000 times before, uh, that's not going to happen. Furthermore, if you came and you expected me to yell and scream at you and tell you how bad you are, that's not going to happen either, okay? This is a place, Kevin already said to you that this is a place where we encounter the living God, and and I want to put this in context for us. And the context is this, that there is an eternal living God, and He can change your life. He's changed mine. He's changed the lives of many of the people that I hang around with. He wants to change the lives of the rest of the people I hang around with. But not only can He change your life and mine right here, He alone has the power to give you eternal life when this life is done. For that reason... Alone, you should encounter Him. And I'm going to give you some other reasons this morning. And, and I hope that they cause you to think. I think they will cause you to think. And so uh, I want to pray right now. Would you join me in, in just a short prayer? Lord, we have come here this morning to receive something from You we can't manufacture on our own. We have come here to encounter You. And I pray that during this service that you would stir something in our hearts, not just collectively but individually, that you would stir something in each one of us so that we would know that this is not just a gathering of nice people doing some fun stuff, but that this is a place where we encounter you, that you would do something in us that no human being could do. Lord, change us for the better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Ron, and it's my privilege to be the lead pastor of this church. And uh, that's a great privilege. It's also my privilege this morning to share our Bible teaching. And as we do every Sunday at this church, it's not... not, uh, I don't stand up here and just talk out of my own wisdom... But I talk out of what God has given to us and written in His Word, the Bible. 
And so I'm going to invite you along on that journey. I'll be speaking with you uh, for about the next 30 minutes. And to help you along and to help me along and to enhance our learning experience, I want you to retrieve from your programs a sheet of notes that looks like this. It should say uh, teaching notes at the top, and it should have today's date in there. Uh, and so uh, take a look at that, and then you can use the pencil that's uh, there at your chair, and um, you can follow along and fill in the blanks. Now, right up front, right underneath the title, you'll find a couple of blanks, and I want you to fill them in, if you would, with these two words. And the first word is freedom, and the next word is forgiveness. Are you with me so far? Good, three of you are. Are the rest of you with me so far? All right, here we go. Now, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to use the pencil you have there, and I want you to draw a circle around these two. And the reason I want you to draw a circle around those two is because I want them to be connected in our hearts and minds. And I realize that we don't often connect those two words together. This positive word or negative word? Positive. This, do we connect positive or negative? <laughs> little mixed uh, feedback there. Yeah. Right away, when I say you need forgiveness, does that sound like good news? Not necessarily. It means you did something bad, right? And right away, when I say you need to forgive somebody else, does that imply that's going to require a little work? Yeah. So nothing like forgiveness, no, I mean like freedom. Let's talk about freedom for a minute. I don't know of any country that more closely identifies itself with the word freedom than the United States. Do you? In fact, it is our national identity. And I thank God for that. This is, this is the land of the free. And it should be. We don't always manage those freedoms well. But the truth is, this is the land of the free. Now, it's no secret that the people who founded our country were people of very great faith. And they didn't just dream up the idea of freedom on their own. In fact, the concept of freedom that they founded this country on, they actually got from the Bible. Let me read you a passage. It's found in Galatians chapter 5. And you can see it up on the video screens. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Let's read together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, you know from reading that one verse that God's design for life is that we as human beings would experience freedom. Not just a little bit of freedom, not just some, not just in some selected areas, but God wants our human spirit to travel through this life in the context of freedom, to have a lightness about it, to have an openness about it, to have a, a freedom about it that only exists where people are free. And you know, it was for that reason that Christ died. On the stage, every Sunday, we have a cross. It's to remind us that the cost of freedom was the life of Jesus. If you've been to any of our national cemeteries, 
What do most of our national cemeteries have marking every grave of every person who's ever given their life for the freedoms we have in this country? What marks those graves? A cross. Yeah. Freedom is never cheap. Never. But boy, is it valuable. Christ died so that you and I could be free. Let's talk a little bit about this word forgiveness. I want you to know that God very clearly connects the idea of forgiveness and the idea of freedom. Take a look at this passage. It's found in Romans chapter 4. It says, happy are those whose wrongs are what? Can you draw a circle around the word happy and then a circle around the word forgiven and a line that connects those two? Do you see the connection? It goes on to say, whose sins are pardoned. Happy is the person whose sins the Lord will not keep account of. That means it's possible for you and I to go through this life. It's possible for us to go through this life and be in a position where we, are, we have been forgiven by God and He is not keeping account of our sins. And when we stand before Him at the end of this life, it means that our sins will be forgiven and we don't have to try to explain all the things that we did for which there is no good explanation. Right? Yeah, that's the truth. There's a wonderful connection between freedom and forgiveness And God wants us to live in this life experiencing that. But it doesn't just automatically happen. And there's a whole reason, there's a whole network of reasons underlying this concept of forgiveness. And for the next five weeks, the next four after this one, and this Sunday, we're going to be exploring the whole context of forgiveness. How to extend forgiveness to people how to ask for forgiveness from people, how to receive forgiveness from people. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the difference between coping with with the wrong things in life and finding the cure for them. And then finally, the last Sunday, we're going to talk about how, how do you take a broken relationship and how do you rebuild trust in that relationship again and do it in a healthy way. So I want to encourage you, even if this is your first time here, I would love to encourage you to come to all five Sundays and really explore this because here's the hypothesis I have. We don't often connect the concept of freedom and forgiveness. We don't, con- we don't often connect those two because we don't correctly understand forgiveness. And at the end of five weeks, I want, us to, I want us to have it straight. To know how to live in that context. To know how to extend forgiveness to people in a healthy way. To know how to receive it. To, to know how to take a broken relationship and rebuild trust in it. So that's what we're going to explore for the next four weeks, uh, five if you count, this Sunday. Now, we're going to spend the rest of the morning answering the basic question, why forgiveness? Why is forgiveness necessary. And so let's begin by answering that question. Forgiveness is necessary. Why? Well, because of what sin is. And sin is the willingness to hurt others for the benefit of self. Should you take a moment and write those words in? 
Sin is the willingness to do what? To hurt others for the benefit of self. See if you can finish this statement. We live in a dog. What does that sound like? The willingness to hurt other people for my benefit. Yeah. In fact, the Bible is very clear about that. Take a look here in James chapter 4, verse number 1. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? And he was talking not just about wars out there between nations, but he was talking about wars between families. You ever experienced that? We have Christmas coming, don't we? And Thanksgiving. Yeah, that needs no further explanation. He says, do you think they just happen? No. Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust. Lust is a word for strong desire. You have a strong desire for what you don't have and you are willing to what? Yeah. Thank God I don't do that. I just step on people. You got the same idea, right? To get it. You want what isn't yours and you will risk violence to get it. Friends, I wish I could give you a better description of human beings, but that pretty well fits us, doesn't it? Yeah. We're not like that all the time, but all of us are like that sometimes. Correct? That's the deal. Okay? So the first reason that we need forgiveness is because we have all participated and sometimes still do participate in behaviors that hurt other people for our own advantage. And God says, that's not okay. Nor should it be okay. True? Should not be okay. Second reason is because of what sin does. And I'm going to teach you four things this morning that sin does. And I'm going to give you uh, a word. The first thing that sin does is it damages everything it touches. Sin damages everything it touches. Sin is like poison. By the way, we already heard that sin is the willingness to what? Does that not sound like damage? Yeah. To hurt others for the benefit of self. Sin damages everything that it touches. There's a deceptive quality about sin. All sin. Because all sin looks good on the outside, but it's not on the inside. I picked up an apple the other day, and it was a red, delicious apple. Misnamed, not because it was not red, but because it was not what? Yeah, you figured it out. It looked beautiful. It was all waxed and everything else. I have no idea what happened to that apple because it looked flawless on the outside. And I took a bite and it was a dark brown on the inside. That was just nasty. (laughs) Now all sin is like that. It looks good on the outside. I feel good immediately when I do sin But shortly thereafter, I don't feel so good. And it doesn't make any difference what the sin is. Because sin damages the person who does it. 
and in some way damages everyone else around if you hang around long enough. Some of you work in the accounting world. Some of you own your own businesses, and you know what a P&L statement is, correct? That stands for profit and loss, okay? Here's what God says about sin. At the end of the day, when the sin has run its full course, and you draw the tally line at the bottom, and you try to figure out, is this a net gain or a net loss? He said, all sin is what? A net loss. So that's the first reason why we need forgiveness. Because does anyone want to live in a perpetually losing situation? No, that sounds like some of our businesses right now, correct? That's not what we want. We want to live in that perfect. Uh, in that uh, continuing profit situation. So, there you go. All sin damages everything it touches. John 10.10, Jesus said this, I have come that you may have what? Life and have how much of it? Have it to the full. And that means when Jesus says, don't do something and I do it, it means that if my life could have been this, it's now going to be this. Because... All sin is a net loss, not a profit. And the way to get the most out of life is to listen to what God says and align myself with that. That's why he gave those guidelines to us. Let's go to number two. This is the second thing that sin does, okay? It never affects only me. It never affects only me. You like ice cream? Yes, I like ice cream. Ice cream has an amazing quality. And it's not just how good it tastes or how creamy it is. Ice cream has the ability to migrate up the spoon handle. Have you ever noticed that? I can get a bowl of ice cream and I think, this time my hands are not going to get sticky. And sure enough, halfway through, it's like, what's that? I don't know how that thing goes up the spoon handle. But I have learned this, that ice cream affects and makes everything around it sticky. And I want you to think about sin that way. You may think, okay, and I'm going to pick on a few things, not, not trying to solo anybody out. But one of the great myths in our culture is that sexual sins only affect the people who do them. For instance, pornography. What harm is there in pornography? Nobody's sleeping with anybody. Nobody's really getting hurt. Friends, that's not true. That's not a harmless sin. It never just affects the person buying the magazine or looking at the website. It just spreads. Okay? Jealousy. Man, just jealous on the inside. Hey, you know, I wish I had what they had. If they had a feather in their ear, we'd both be tickled. Right? But the truth is, jealousy never just affects you. There is no sin that is only affecting you. Now, I want you to notice what God says in his word. Take a look at Romans chapter 14. None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us 
dies to himself alone. That means, friend, whatever you do, it has in some way a continual influence and effect on the people of your world. And that's one of the reasons why you and I need forgiveness. Because forgiveness has a wonderful way of halting that bad influence and of actually bringing healing to that bad influence. And that's the wonderful thing about forgiveness. It is a healing salve for the human spirit that actually, in many cases, reverses the damage that we have done. Number three. And that is the word baggage. All sin has what I call unwanted baggage. Okay? Right now, unless it's Southwest Airlines, baggage is costly, right? You think it's costly to fly with your bags. Try living with your bags. That's an extremely costly thing. And all sin brings with it just this this, this terrible... You know, in my notes, I kind of wrote this underneath there. Sin never travels alone. Never. It always brings with it things like guilt. It always brings with it things like broken relationships. It brings with it things like broken homes. It brings with it things like addiction, depression. I mean, the list just goes on and on. It's all that other stuff that comes with it. Now, when you think about this, if you're a parent, okay, the interesting thing about, about being a parent is this. You understand things that your children don't understand. Anybody watch The Biggest Loser? Yeah, a few of you are willing to admit that. That's a very popular show, all right? But The Biggest Loser is about these groups of people who, who take the challenge to lose the most weight in a specific amount of time. Now, the amazing thing about The Biggest Loser are those people doing things that come natural to them. No. They're eating less than they naturally would or would like to. And they're exercising more than they naturally would or would like to. Correct? Now I want you to tell me, which group of people experiences more freedom? The group that eats whatever they want to and exercises only whenever they want to? Or the group that eats like they should and exercises more than they should? Which group gets more freedom? It's the second group, isn't it? Yeah. If you're a parent, your children come to you and they have just had dessert, but they have discovered a whole stash of candy. And what's the request that they have? Can I have, and if you give them one piece, what's the next request? Could I have another piece, right? And you as a parent understand that if you allow your child to do that, it it initiates a chain reaction that does not lead to anywhere good. It's like tipping over the first domino, right? And you already know what's at the end because although it looks good to them and it's natural for them to want it, and if you gave it to them, would they feel good in the moment? Absolutely. But you know it initiates a chain reaction in which that sugar hits their blood and all of a sudden they get hyper, right? 
And when they get hyper, they start picking on their siblings, correct? And that leads to nowhere good, right? And then they're wound up and they can't go to sleep. And they don't go to sleep on time. And when they wake up in the morning, they're grouchy and they're grumpy. And when they go to school, they get in trouble. And you look at all this stuff and you go, that's a chain reaction. I don't believe I'd like to tip over that first domino. Right? Yeah. Because you recognize that kind of behavior comes with baggage. Now, God says, on a more mature level, if there's anything in His Word that He says, don't do that, He recognizes that it starts a chain reaction, and the end of that chain reaction is never good. So God says, don't tip over the first domino. Let's not do that. Because that has baggage with it. Do we always listen? Shake your head like this. No, we don't always listen. In fact, look what the Bible says. People's own sins, what's the next word? Ruin their lives, but in their minds they what? Oh, can I? I would love as a pastor to have $10 for every time somebody had said that to me. Their life is a mess and they're mad at God. That somehow God did this to them. That's not true, okay? God's trying to prevent that from us. So there's number three. Let's take a look at number four. And number four has to do with this. And, and, and this is where it gets, uh, has an eternal thing, and that is all sin makes God seem distant. It makes Him seem like He's a, a thousand miles away. There's this growing chasm between us and God. And um, years ago, when I first became a Christian, my father, who was a pastor, gave me a Bible. And in the front of the Bible, I'll never forget what he wrote in the cover of the Bible. And it was this. This book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Okay? The same is true with God. Sin makes God seem distant. Now, I can tell you, there are few things in this life that are as debilitating to the human spirit as feeling alone in this life. We all enjoy times of being alone, but if we were to actually think, no one cares about me, no one's in my corner, no one's going through life with me, I am alone in this life. Friend, that's a terrible place to be. And we've probably all felt that at some period in our lives. Now what's even worse is when you feel like God doesn't even care. The truth is God still cares. But sin makes it seem as if God doesn't. That's why we need forgiveness. Because we were designed to live in a close relationship with God. The prophet Isaiah said this, It is your sins that separate you from God when you try to worship Him. God wants to close that gap. So the first reason that we need forgiveness is because of what sin is. It's the willingness to hurt others for the benefit of self. And God wants to break that cycle in us. The second reason is because of what sin does. And we talked about four things that sin does. And, and, and the third reason that, that we need forgiveness is this. Because forgiveness is the only remedy for sin that ends in freedom. 
Now, next week, we're going to explore the whole difference between coping and, and curing. Okay? If you have a disease, and it's a painful disease, if I come to you and I say, I have two options for you. One is, I have a way for you to cope with that pain, and the other is, I have a way to cure your pain. Which would you prefer? Cure. That's an easy question, isn't it? Easy answer. Okay? I want you to understand that forgiveness is the only cure for sin. Now, there are multiple ways to cope with it. But forgiveness is the only cure because it's the only one that ends in freedom. As we close, I want to go back to the Scripture that we, that we talked about at the very beginning. And that is in Romans chapter 4. Happy are those whose wrongs are forgiven. In other words, cured. Whose sins are pardoned. That's another word for forgiven or cured. Happy is the person. There's a lightness about them. There's a freedom about them. There's a joy about them. Is the person whose sins the Lord will not keep account of. How does that happen? How could I possibly move into a position where the Lord would not keep track of my sins? Not that he would give me the license to sin and it made no difference, but that he would begin to change sin in my life and bring about righteousness and forgive me for the sins that I've already committed. I brought along some props this morning that uh, I hope will help illustrate that. And I hope you walk away today never forgetting this principle. Okay? In my hand, I hold genuine 7-Eleven pure spring water. I don't know who it is from 7-Eleven that went and got the pure spring water, but uh, I want this water to represent last Sunday, uh, Kevin talked to us about the water of life and, and, and the promise that Jesus gave to give us living water. And so I want this water to represent just pure, pure life, undefiled life, nothing in it. There's nothing dangerous here, correct? It's all good. It's all pure. It's refreshing. The glass represents a human being. And the amazing thing about the way God has designed life is that He's given to every human being the capacity to receive pure, undefiled life from Him. It's why, my friends, when you hold up a brand new baby, you think of what word? Innocence, correct? Purity. Pure life. Undefiled. problem is the Bible also says that there's such a thing as sin. I want you to think of this bottle as pure, undefiled sin, if there could be such a thing as undefiled sin, all right? <laughs> Undiluted sin. How's that? It's pure that what's in this bottle actually is poison, okay? If you were to drink it, serious trouble, okay? So, and that's the thing about sin. We noticed sin damages everything it touches, Correct? So we're going to put some sin in here. And you will notice that what used to be pure and undefiled is no longer pure and undefiled. It's now defiled. And did you notice that the sin didn't just go in one corner and stay there and didn't affect everything else? Look at it. It actually affects every part of my life. But the amazing thing about us as human beings is we start to answer that question, how do I deal with that? 
I don't, I don't like how my life looks now. It's all defiled. It's all messed up. It's kind of a, a dark red or a brown or a black or whatever it is. It's all messed up. It certainly doesn't look like anything that I would want to drink. And yet, the most natural response we have to this is, I want my good deeds to outweigh what? My bad. Now, I want you to notice, is there more life in here or more sin? What do you think? I put only like six or eight drops of sin in there, and I put in there maybe eight ounces of pure life. But it only takes a few drops of sin to turn a whole life poisonous. And now, whoever drinks this, whatever I would put this on, it would poison and destroy, even though it's not very much sin. But most of us try to do this. I'll tell you what, I'll make up for it. Okay? I'll just put more life in there. I'll do more good. Hopefully my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. How am I doing? Does it look any better? No. It's the same. I hold in my hands a cross. It's a simple cross. It represents Jesus. And the interesting thing is, this is the cure, and this is the disease. But as long as the cure stays here and the disease stays here, the two never meet, correct? But the amazing thing is when I put them together and I mix, what happens? It's purified. Because... I don't want you to ever forget that there's only one remedy for sin. And it starts with Jesus. And it's not until you invite him into your life that you can experience full and complete forgiveness. What you're going to see next is a struggle that I know many and to some degree every person here has gone through. And then Kevin's going to come and give you the opportunity to invite Christ into your life. Tired. Not so good at this praying thing. I don't even think I'm doing it right. I feel like I'm the one doing all the talking lately. Are you even home? Forget it. Please don't answer that. I know you are. I'm just so tired. Came in here with some things, with a lot of things. Like this one. This is my doubt. Self-doubt, faith doubt. I'm like a doubting Thomas. I want to believe. Just need some proof. Then there's this. These are the questions. You know them. The questions, will it be my job tomorrow? And if not tomorrow, what about next week? And how am I going to make ends meet? You promise that if I give these to you, you'll take them. Is that true? Really true? Oh, and then there's this, the regrets. Notice the size and the wear and tear. This one's full. Full of the things I never should have done. The words that cracked and broke relationships. What are you going to do with my regrets? 
my would-haves and could-haves and should-haves, if only this, if only that, if only. And this one, (laughs) these are all the lost items. You know, all those lost things, my hopes and dreams, my friends, myself. I want them back. Do I give them to you? Or do I hold on to them myself? I'm not going to say this right. I really don't know how to pray. I want to put my pride on the line. To pour my heart out to you. Sometimes I get mad. I get really mad. I cry. I doubt. I can't believe. Are you big enough? Can I trust you? I, I don't know how to let go. To release when I'm holding so tight. To jump when I'm afraid of midair. Are you going to catch me? If I pour my soul out to you, are you really going to answer me? I don't want to put you to the test. But I've got to have a reason. Can you show me something? I hope I'm not just talking to myself. I don't want to be fake about this. But if I could just see your hands, touch your hands, I could be sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave these things here (laughs) for you. I don't know how to move without them. But I don't want to move without you. I was waiting for a helicopter rescue. (laughs) But I'll just wait for you. Right here. However you come. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.